this is going to be fun this morning. I, I do not have a PowerPoint. Um, this is almost going to be more of a, in fact, I think, I don't know that I'm going to sit at all, but I'm, I'm going to get a stool anyways. Does somebody know off the top of their heads how, how many years? I can't remember. How many years has MSP been around? Is it six years, seven years, something like that? That's awesome. Uh, it's, it's really cool how um, I heard it said one time, if you're ever going to leave your job, make sure that they know you're gone, not like it's you stick your finger in the ocean and you pull it out. So I, I'll have to make sure Cindy knows, yes, we notice when MSP is gone, right? So I'm not sure if I'm going to sit down or not. If, if you want to turn somewhere in your Bible, turn to John chapter 2. Um, it, it's funny because I hesitate all the time to say, okay, this is going to be a little different this morning. Because my teenagers hear that and they go, yeah, 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 that's every week. We, we, we got it. But I've never done a sermon like this. It's going to be more of a teaching, going to be more of a storytelling. Storytelling is kind of my weakness. But the Holy Spirit's had, huh? Okay. The, the Holy Spirit gave me something a few weeks ago. And uh, it was really interesting the way this worked out. Um, I love what Romans 8.28 says. It does not say that God brings things, bad things into our lives so he can bring something good. It says no matter what happens with the consequences of life, God will bring something good out of it. Okay? And Wednesday night, uh, who was here Wednesday night when we did the pastor's panel? Um, it was a good night, but there were a lot of MSP ladies, specifically, who had questions about the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Mark constantly said what? I'm doing a series on that, right? I'm doing a series on that. That's why I'm doing the series. And I called him after church. Laura actually had the idea. She said, Chris, a lot of these ladies who are not going to be here are the ones who have the questions that need to be answered. So I asked him, I said, why don't you, I said, why don't we just wait on the idea of the Holy Spirit um, series that you're on so when they get back, you can keep going. Does that make sense? So I, I kind of offered to preach. Then Thursday or Friday, we get that message that Vernon had possibly had the light stroke. And it's like, speaking of the Holy Spirit, right? So everything's kind of set up ahead of time. But this idea has been in my heart now for a while. And I, I, I was very intentional about making sure that we get this one recorded because there's a few people that wanted to hear this idea that are not here this morning. I don't have a PowerPoint, um, and that's not because I didn't feel like I needed one. It's just because I don't think it's going to fit this morning. If you have a piece of paper, if you don't have a piece of paper, let me encourage you to take one out because I'm going to give you some homework, and I'm going to give you permission to let your mind wander this morning. Have you ever had a, had a preacher tell you that before? Good, I'm not a preacher, so it works. All right, I'm going to give you permission to let your mind wander. This morning, we're going to talk about moments. If you want, and, and I'm, I'm not going to ask you to take notes this morning. That's not what I'm asking you to do. The Holy Spirit's been on me about a specific phrase, and I want you to write down the phrase, and then I'm going to tell you how I'm giving you permission to let your mind wander, okay? Here's the phrase. My responsibility is to provide, I'm going to say it several times throughout this, is to provide opportunities for moments to occur. My responsibility is to provide opportunities for moments to occur. I'm going to say it one more time since you're writing. My responsibility is to provide opportunities for moments to occur. Okay? 
And here's what I'm giving you permission to do. As I'm going through this, I'm going to be sharing some moments from my life. I'm going to be sharing some moments from our church's life, from our youth group's life. I want you, when the Holy Spirit brings moments in, in your life that have mattered, good or bad, turning points, if you want to call them that, or just something that you remember, a moment that you remember, I want you to write it down. I want you to write down the moments that come to your mind. They could be small, they could be big. But what I'm going to tell you is that it's our responsibility to provide the opportunities for moments to occur. Okay, I'm going to pray real quick, then we're going to dive in. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to open our minds, open our hearts, to help us realize that you're a God of principles, and to be a God of justice, you will follow those principles. You're a gentleman, and the way that you set this world up is sowing and reaping. And in the long term, you want to encounter us in moments throughout our lives. And I'm asking you to remind us of the moments that have happened, prepare us for the moments that will, but help us to create opportunities today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our life is made up of moments of time, small little moments of time. And again, as we go through here, if you, if you remember some moments, I want you to write them down, man. So if something makes you smile, I want you to write it down. But many times we don't prepare for them and only appreciate them after they pass. True? Like it's, so, it's so easy to think about times, moments in our lives that pass, and we think, is anybody besides me, you wish you would have appreciated those moments a little bit more when they happen? Like, or, or even maybe, and, and I'm not even talking, it could be maybe a family member who's passed away or something like that, but it could have just been a fun moment that you had with a friend, right? And uh, I'm, I'm probably just going to throw sporadic ones in here. I've got a list of them that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but there was this one specific one that I remember with a college roommate. Does anybody remember the old game Dance Dance Revolution? It's old now. It's where you had to step on the left, right, up and down things. We had an in-home version of that. I remember being in a dorm room at 7 p.m. We started playing, and it's safe to say we ended up having to lose articles of clothing because we were in Florida, and it got so hot, and we're like in in our undershirts and everything else just sweating up a storm, and I'm like, it was just one of those moments that I go, I don't know why I remember it, but it was fun. We just have some fun moments, right? Um, Scotty was telling me about the Alabama game yesterday, about how they were working at, at Bryant-Denny Stadium. You just have those moments that are just cool, right? Um, I remember the first time that Laura and I went to an Alabama-Auburn game. Laura is undefeated going to Alabama games, and the opponents have never scored. So I'm going to take her to every important game that exists from here on out, right? We have these moments. By the way, this is not going to be a serious, like, let me ponder this. You... you, you I'm going to challenge you to have a good time here. The fact that we don't really prepare for moments and we rarely appreciate them until after they pass means we're very rarely in the present. We're very rarely understanding to live now and how important now is, right? Uh, Brian and I had, a, ha had an opportunity after my dad passed away to get spiritual mentorship from Ron Cox, who was the pastor at Kingwood Church for a long time, one of my favorite people in the world, and every, every couple months, we still go out to eat with him. And sometimes we just start a conversation. We just let Ron go. Like, if you know Ron, you just let him go. <laughs> he just he gets wound up and goes. And he showed us something in John chapter 2. I told him I was going to preach on moments. And he said, Chris, open your Bible to John chapter 2. And he, first he told me the story. He said, don't read it, and I don't want you to read it. Uh, this is the story of Jesus' first miracle, which was what? Turning water into wine, right? And uh, so he said, they go to this wedding feast, and, and they run out of wine, and all of a sudden Jesus creates more wine out of the water that's there. 
the master of the feast gets it. Okay, are we kind of familiar with the story? I thought I was too. Master of the feast gets the wine, tastes it, and says, my gosh, most pe- this is awesome. Most people bring out the good stuff at the beginning. Finish this statement for me, but you've waited to bring out the best. What does it say? You know, it's a trick question. I've been told, I've been taught, I preach sermons that that says you've saved the best for last, right? I've heard sermons on that my whole life. Read any translation you have. Somebody tell me what the word is there. You've saved the best. John chapter 2, I think it's verse 11. You've saved the best for now. You've saved the best for now. What's the definition of last when it comes to moments? There's none after it. Right? This is the very, does anybody want this moment to be your last? Right? Well, it wasn't because now you've experienced another moment, right? The last means there's no more to come. Jesus isn't saying that he's saving the best for last. He's saying I'm saving the best for now. I've never read that before in my life. And the implications are huge. You've got to understand that now is all you have. We live in a society that loves to mourn the past. Or pump up the past so much. Have you ever met an old football player who's in the 60s now who relives the glory days of being 16? And if that's you, I'm sorry. But so we either mourn the past of all the opportunities we missed or we tend to live there and want to relive that today. Or we dread the future, right? Has anybody ever been there? Dread the future. You um, are scared of what's coming. We talked about revelation and things like that. We tend to live in one of these two extremes. What is missed in every one of those? The now. What was the statement we said at the first? My responsibility is to provide opportunities for moments to occur. The now is the most important. The now is what matters most. There was a fall retreat that we did. We're going to bring those up again. Um, when, we did the, when we did a fall retreat with the teenagers, the theme of our second one was this. It said, learn from the past, prepare for the future, live in the present. Learn from the past, prepare for the future, live in the present. I started having this idea several months back. And I started realizing that every time I came to church, just as a simple example, that was an opportunity for God to do something. Right? What happens if I skip? that opportunity is not there, right? Now, can God still intervene? Yes. But would you agree that those of you who are here that want to have a relationship with God, for whatever reason you're here, that doesn't matter, you're here. You've provided an opportunity for God to meet you. Would you agree that in this place, in this atmosphere, you're a little more open to hear the voice of God say that if you were at home watching Netflix? Is that fair? Like I, I, I once heard a, a businessman who said, um, if somebody wants to learn leadership, they're going to learn more. There's a better opportunity to learn leadership at a seminar than they are just mowing their grass. Oh, I think I want to be a CEO, right? You're providing opportunities for God encounters to happen. But what happens if we don't provide the opportunities? I'm not saying God can't force a moment, but I'm saying odds are you won't be ready. We need to be ready to have opportunities for God to fit that puzzle piece into our lives. Is this making sense just a little bit? 
That's one of the reasons we break the daily and weekly routine and come to church. It's one of the reasons we take time out of our, out of our, out of our day and focus on the Holy Spirit so he can speak to us. One of the moments, there was a moment, I'm going to talk about moments all day. There was a moment in our youth service one time, it was one of the most memorable. I asked several of our teenagers, several of our seniors, uh, and those who have graduated, what were some of the most memorable times that you remember in youth group? One specific that Jake Tornator said, there was a teaching that we did where I wanted to stress the idea of you, if you're going to hear the voice of God, you can't have everything else so loud. So it was at the annex. Uh, Kaylin, you remember that one? That was fun. So I, I, I don't know if you were there or not. I specifically remember that I had three different rock songs that we turned all the way up to where nobody could hear a thing. And I'm standing up this far from everybody and I keep teaching. What do you think everybody, the first thing everybody did? Is they leaned in. Just think about that for a second. And then I started getting close to him. I said, Jake, I love you. I want what's best for you. And what did he have to do? Lean in more. I turned down the music and I said, sometimes if you want to hear the voice of God, you're going to have to turn down the other voices that are screaming at you. Or you're going to have to get so close that you can see his lips move. It was a moment. What would have happened if one of the, what, what would have happened if Jake Tornator hadn't been at youth service that night? Could God have spoken that to him when he's sitting in his room playing video games? Yes. But would you agree that the opportunity was greater for him to hear from God when he's there? When the opportunity is available? I want you to get this. This has radically changed the way that I deal with everything in my life. When I walk into a restaurant, I'm understanding, God, this is a moment. There was a moment this week where I went to Calera High School football game. By the way, if you haven't seen the Calera High School halftime show, awesome. Fantastic. The flag, Emmy Farmer's part of the color guard, and she did a great job. The flags are awesome. The music's great. The dancing's great. They did a scene from Fiddler on the Roof. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was great. But I went for Emmy, and you know what I did when I walked in? Because my mind's here, I said, God, I'm providing an opportunity for you to have me, have me see somebody, have me meet somebody, right? This is an opportunity for you to bring somebody in my life. You know what? I ran into somebody that I worked with five years ago I haven't seen in years. And now we're going to connect again for coffee. Well, that's a coincidence. I would, I would challenge that the reason, what, what would happen if I would have stayed home? Right? Is this, is this making sense? It's our responsibility to provide the opportunities for moments to occur. Because now is the most important thing. The most important, would you agree with this? The most important moments of our lives were likely not planned or they weren't orchestrated, right? I don't know if you've written anything down. And again, you can take notes if you want, but I want you to write some things down. What are some of the most important moments of your life? I'm going to go over some of mine in a minute. You know, very few of them were planned or they were really, really, really planned with a suit and a white dress. And that was, it was a moment, but it was very, very orchestrated, right? But most of them, what about the Apostle Paul? Was his moment planned? Now, sometimes there are times to where God knocks us off our horse and creates a moment in our life because it needs to happen, right? But would you agree that's probably not the norm? If we look at the majority of the Bible stories, Daniel got up every day, opened his window, and prayed even when he wasn't supposed to. He created an opportunity for God to move, right? When Jesus walked around, any Bible story you can think of, the opportunities happened. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for them, the king opened up an opportunity for them to walk through opportunities have to be there and it's our responsibility to make those happen as much as we can. Now, all moments are not good. 
There's just a few random points I'm going to hit here. Would you agree all moments are not good? But I'm going to have to say this correctly because I don't want you to I don't want you to get this misunderstood. Free will gives us the choice to determine which moments we choose to dwell on. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Whatsoever things are good and pleasing and lovely and praiseworthy, you think on these things. Would we agree that we all have negative things we could focus on if we choose to? Has anybody ever had a good life experience come because you just focused on the negatives, man? I focused on the negatives, focused on the hurtful, and all of a sudden I wake up joyful and happy. Anybody ever had that experience? Probably not. But because of free will, and here's the crazy part. Somebody asked me recently what I think about something and something and something. I said, I said, let me just give you a theme of my life. I believe that God is a God of principles, and he's already given us the foundation of where principles are found. And because he's a God of principles, hear me when I say this. If he were to break his principles for our comfort levels, he would no longer be a just God. Does that make sense? The law of sowing and reaping says whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Which means the consequences we're having are results from what somebody sowed. It might be you, it might be somebody else. But if God were to just wipe all consequences away, God, would you please just take every one of my problems in life away? You realize if he did that, he would no longer be a just God. Because he is breaking the principles that he is. Does that make sense? So in moments, you have free will. It's your choice what moments to dwell on. Let me go through some... Oh, there's one more thing. I, I, I almost have like a scientific analytical head. So when I start doing research, when I start getting extra things, I go, okay, wait a minute, does that jive? Is, is that... I started asking these teenagers the questions, and I started realizing that most of the moments that people have, I don't know if this happens to you or not, most of the good moments that people have in their, in their Christian walk, in their relationships, they happen outside of the daily routine. Does that make sense? We go to a fall retreat. I go away from my daily routine. You know, every one of the teenagers I asked about a moment, I asked all my teenagers, give me some moments that you remember. Laura and I have been here, February will be seven years we've been youth pastors here. So we've seen some of them literally come into youth group and they've graduated. Or like this year, we've got, all the seniors that we've got, Kingwood and Clear and all this stuff, I remember when they came into the youth group and all of a sudden they're graduating. You know, every one of them had a memory from our fall retreats. Every one of them. Why do you think that is? Do we have our fall retreats at Kingwood where they go to school? No. Do we have our fall retreats here where we're used to going to church? No. We get them outside of what they're used to, and that provides an opportunity for a moment to occur. Yet we as adults, sometimes we think, I got to work. I got to stay in the daily routine. And yes, we do. But there also needs to be a point, please hear me, that it's my responsibility to create opportunities for moments to occur. Right? It's my responsibility. Sometimes I have to make the time happen for me to get away to be able to allow God to encounter me. I, th this is such a big point. See, there was a moment, I'm going to kind of go through some of mine, and I, I want these to like bring up moments for you, but I want, I'm going to make a point after all of these. I'm going to kind of fly through these. There was, when I was, I think I was 11 or 12, 
People ask me all the time if I played football. I said, yeah, I played two years of peewee football. We never scored a touchdown in a game, so I thought it was my fault, so I quit. And it probably was. I was a wuss. It was real bad. Played eight years of baseball, and I was a terrible baseball player because I was timid. I did not want to swing that bat. But if you know baseball, this is a really big strike zone, right? So what happens if I leave the bat up here? One of two things. I'm going to walk or I'm going to strike out. I'm not going to get any hits because I don't swing the bat. So I remember this one time, and uh, <laughs> it's I, – I, I'll promise you one thing. I'm going to laugh a little bit. I'm probably going to cry a little bit as I go through some of these, but this is one of the laugh ones because I never swung the bat. My coach said at this one game, he said, it's the bottom of the ninth. If you know baseball, bottom of the ninth, players on second and third, and there's one out. And my coach took me aside and said, Chris, they're probably going to try to walk you to set you up with bases loaded so we can get a, they can get a double play. He said, but they also know you don't swing. So if they do, pitch it over the plate, try to swing. <laughs> and I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And for some reason, that game, in that circumstance, I chose to swing, and I wrote the ball right over the first baseman's head down the right field line, and I won the game for it for our team. And I looked up to the stands, and my parents, who were there for every game, had a ministry opportunity and weren't there for that one game. Now, I don't have any hard feelings. We talked about this the other night, and I'm not bringing that up to go, oh, yeah, terrible parents. I don't know. It has nothing to do with it. But would you agree that my parents hated that they missed a moment? Right? If you're parents, you would probably hate that you missed a moment like that, right? And I'm not telling you got to be at every single thing, but would you agree that it's good to be at every opportunity just in case that moment occurs? There was another moment, it's a little more on the serious side, where I was at a pastor's kids retreat in 1996 when I was 14 years old. I just found out that we were going to move for the eighth time in 14 years, and I was furious, furious at my parents, furious at God, furious because I was starting to build friendships and all this stuff. And I remember being in the back of the room at this pastor's kids retreat at Springville Camp and Conference Center. And I decided, you know what? One more chance. This is it. And I walked up to a random youth pastor who I now know is Ray Bundy, in case you've ever heard his name. And Ray, if you ever listen to this, thank you for this. I walked up to a random youth pastor and I said, let me tell you about me at an altar call. I said, I'm 14 years old. I'm a pastor's kid, obviously, because I'm here. So I just found out I'm moving again. I hate God. I can't stand my situation. And if God doesn't tell me now and prove to me that he exists, I'm done. Now, as a youth pastor now, I realize how freaked out I would be if some random kid came up to me and said that, right? So again, Ray, if you're listening to this, thank you. As a side note, it's kind of cool. We ended up being youth pastors at one of his churches, future down the line of his one day. It was really neat. But I remember when he prayed for me, I felt the literal presence of God on me so much that I had to fall to my knees and then... Um, before I tell you this, I'm going to tell you a statement. The man with an opinion is never at the mercy of a man with an experience. Nobody can fight with your experience. They can't argue. They can't debate. You have an experience with God. They can say anything they want to. Would you agree you can't fight with an experience? I felt at that moment physical, literal arms of God wrap around me. And I heard a voice say, not only am I real, but I'm with you, and I will be for the rest of your life. That was a moment. There was another moment at youth camp that same year that I saw this drama team come and they were doing these brand new things that had just come out called human videos. And it was a, a drama to a song. And I said, wow, that's awesome. And I, I don't remember the name of their group. It was something by like Cloud by Fire, Ignited by Fire or something. And I'm like, I don't know what they're doing, but I want to do what they're doing. I found out that group was from Southeastern University, and I decided when I was 14 years old that that's where I was going to school. 
That was a moment. There was another moment that I decided to go to that Southeastern University. And when I was 18 years old, I was actually 20 because I got my associate's degree. I went to Southeastern University, walked in the doors to, um, now mind you, I didn't want to do anything extra. I thought I was going to be a math teacher, right? Long story. I thought I was going to be a math teacher. So I walked in the door of the chapel to, um, for registration, and I see these two really cute girls at this table, and it just had three initials on top. It said CMC. The two girls were not Laura, by the way. She's coming in a second. And I saw these really two cute girls, and I'm like, I think I want to do CMC. He said, you don't know what CMC is? I know. <laughs> but I think I want to do CMC. What CMC ended up being is Collegiate Master's Corps. It was a Master's Commission-type group that was inside school. If you ever know how much hours Master's Commission puts in, trying to put that into a Collegiate course did not go well. But that was a big moment because CMC required three early morning prayer services 6.30 in the morning, Nick. <laughs> you remember this? 6.30? Oh, you, if you were in CMC, you remember, because they did not allow you to sit down. What do you think college students are going to do at 6.30 in the morning for a prayer service if you sit down? You're going to lose them all. All going to be asleep, because most of them were up till 3 a.m. playing. So 6.30 in the morning, I remember walking into this prayer service, and I look over. People talk about love at first sight, and they think of it in a hair blowing in the breeze and a sensual whatever and girls wearing this thing. The first time I ever saw Laura Hymas, her hair was in a ponytail at 6.30 in the morning prayer service with a blue Superman visor, a blue Superman shirt. I don't know what kind of crush she had on Superman. Blue jeans and tennis shoes. And in a pose that I've gotten to know over the years, her hand up and her hand on her stomach in pure worship at 6.30 in the morning. And I said, I want her to be somebody I know. So a year later, we get engaged, and two years later, there's another moment that happened when I was sitting in front of a sanctuary in Michigan. I'm in a suit with some of my best friends and my brother and Laura's cousin. Long story. The back doors open, and that girl who was in a Superman shirt and visor was now in a beautiful white dress, and my dad said, soak this moment in. And I did. I still remember it to this day. I cried for the rest of the service. She did not, which is still weird. She did finally when we're lighting our unity candle, and I had a song play over the top that I had written and recorded for us. And I'm like, yeah, finally. I'm, 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 I'm the one with all the tissues. We've got a picture of all my tissues like in an end of a pew. It was funny. So there's another moment after we were married. We were graduating Southeastern, and we had an interview with a pastor who had already told us, hey, Chris, I know your parents, and I want you to come be at our church full-time. Incredible people. I knew the guy. I knew his wife. I knew his family. Loved them to death. And we went and had an interview, and he said, Chris, I'm already going to hire you. I'm at full-time salary, position, um, home to live in, everything. I never had an interview with him, though. So we went and had an interview, and a three-hour interview that was anything but pleasant. Again, great guy. But you know some people you talk to, and you're like, we really don't need to work together. I love Mark Davis to death, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. But me and this gentleman, at one point he told me, he said, Chris, because we, we were giving out ideas about lock-ins and about movies and different stuff like this. Like, this is stuff I'd love to do. And he and his wife were like, no, 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 I don't really think so. And at one point he told me, he said, Chris, the only things I know how to do are preach the word and mow the grass. Looked at him and said, sir, with all due respect, I think I can do everything else. <laughs> and that was a big moment. Because we didn't go there, we ended up, in Selma, Alabama, at an internship with my parents. And that internship turned into a five-and-a-half-year relationship 
where Laura and I became really good friends with my parents and created a six-year atmosphere with a bunch of teenagers, and we kind of got our, got our uh, teeth cut, in a sense. And there was another moment, uh, January 15th, 2011, about uh, 6 p.m., that I, I think we actually called my mom and, about something random, and she said, Chris, you need to come over. Your dad's passed out. So Laura and I, we're, we're in ministry. We know hospital trips. We grab a book. We grab headphones. We're kind of prepared to go to the hospital. And I remember getting, I remember the moment where we pulled in behind my parents' trailer, and my mom is outside with my dad laying in her lap with a jacket over his face because he had already passed away. And she pulled me close. And I, I remember the moment. She said, Chris, if, dad, if God takes your dad home tonight, are you still going to trust him? You know when you're squeezed, whatever you've filled yourself with is going to come out. And in that moment, I'm thankful for the foundation that my parents had set with me because the words that came out of my mouth, whether I felt them or not, were why would I stop now? I remember the moment when my dad passed away and we had the service. I remember those moments. I also remember the moment where we had three options of what we were going to do after we left Selma. I could have been a boiler maker. This doesn't need to be a boiler maker. I uh, had a gentleman who wanted me to travel all around, or I could have stayed in Selma and I was being offered the plant managership where I was working at the time. Or Laura could come teach at a school named Kingwood Church in Alabaster. And that's the decision we made. Would you agree that was a big moment for us? Then there was another moment where Ron Cox started to take us in and coach us, and he became a really big place in our life because we gave him that opportunity. There was another moment at full, at, uh, in November 2011, I get this random Facebook message from a guy that I've always looked up to named Mark Davis. And he said, Chris, I want to talk to you about coming and being our youth pastor. And again, part of me telling you these stories is I want you to keep thinking about moments in your own life, and I want you to write some of your moments down. Mark Davis contacted me in November 2011 and said, Chris, I want, I'm really impressed with the way that I've seen on your Facebook. In other words, he was stalking. And uh, I, I still to this day joke about that. I'm like, yeah, so you're a Facebook stalker. That's how you found your youth pastors. That's interesting. And uh, he said, I'm impressed with how you've handled this, and I want to talk to you about being a youth pastor. I said, Mark, do me a favor. This is the first year without my dad. Give me through the holidays, and then we'll talk after that. He said, I'll go for it. No problem. I remember going to full moon barbecue with him, and as soon as I saw him in crimson hat with an A and a crimson shirt with A, I said, I think this is going to work out. He talked to me, and he said, Chris, I can't offer you any money, but I promise you we're going to have fun and experiences and moments. And I said, I don't care about the money. What I was looking for was somebody who I believed the vision. I was talking, I had breakfast with Bill Tornator yesterday. I said, you know, when I was looking for a church, I don't care. The leadership doesn't have to be perfect. If you expect perfect leadership, your expectations are way too high. The church doesn't have to be perfect. And the people, sure enough, aren't going to be perfect because every one of us are in it, right? But what I wanted is I wanted leadership that I could buy into their vision and where they were going and their heart. And that's what I found with Mark. It was a real big moment. Then there were a whole lot of moments, and I asked all of my teenagers, I'm like, out of the six, six and a half years we've been here, give me some moments. So some of them are going to be listening to this, so just excuse me for a minute. i got to go through some of these, all right? There were some teachings that were big. I told you about the noises. Uh, there was sometimes we did fire pits at our camper that we'd uh, have all the teenagers. We lived in a camper for about three years, 29-foot RV. We'd have fire pits out there on Bill and Jenny's land. 
Um, there were outside teachings that we did at the annex where we'd have everybody, hey, we're going outside tonight. So they'd grab their chairs and stools and we'd go out there. Remember the basketball tournaments in the annex, all these things, the scavenger hunts. Mike and Darian were reminding me about some scavenger hunts early on that I didn't even remember. They said, yeah, you told us to find the most expensive thing at the Galleria, but you couldn't get jewelry. I'm like, I don't even remember that. So they said this. So we went to the um, sleep number beds. I'm like, well, that could have ended up really poorly. I was a terrible youth pastor, man. It ended up really poorly. There were scavenger hunts. There were lock-ins. Brian gave me the idea of doing competitive lock-ins, so we always did green versus black. And one of the things we always did was have a pillowcase that they um, they painted and did their names on, and that was their flags for the night, right? The green team versus the black team. Sometimes it got way too competitive, and I had to break it up a little bit. But now what's cool is if you go upstairs, we've actually, for a long time I just thought they're flags, but they're actually pillowcases. So we found pillows, and we actually put those flags upstairs in our youth room. So it's really neat. It's kind of got our history there in a sense. Um, we had two trips to Nicaragua, to Managua, Nicaragua, with Ken and Kendra Dowd. Would you agree big moments for somebody like Savannah Bear? Big moments for Sydney Bear. Big moments for Caitlin and for the rest of you who went. Big moments, okay? Um, like I said, everybody talked about fall retreats. And as a little plug here, we've got our fall retreat coming in November. If you'd like to sponsor one of our kids or if you'd just like to sponsor us to be, every little bit of money we have, we spend it all on something for the kids, whether it's getting them a book, whether it's printing materials, whatever it is. But our fall retreats are always three days that we spend that they have all these memories from. Why? Because we provide an opportunity for them to get away from their school, get away from their friends, get away from all this thing and put them in a, put them in a location where moments can occur. And they occur a lot. A lot. Fine Arts Festival. Uh, I was talking with Lorna and she asked her what some of her moments are. She said, usually Kids Crusade and Fine Arts. Trips to Orlando that I actually wasn't on, but that she was on. I've heard about the good and I've heard about the bad and the ugly, all of them. Um, you were on the other one, right? Yeah. So, but the one I was on was the Louisville trip. We went to Louisville, Kentucky with a whole bunch of teenagers and did competition. I remember when the, the moment when we were told that our group got a superior rating at the National Fine Arts Festival was a fantastic moment. I remember running over a chicken on our way. Yeah, true story. We, we were just traveling on these hills in Kentucky, and all of a sudden, we came up over this hill, and Lorna goes, chicken! Or she said something. I'm not even sure what it was, but I didn't have time to move. And all of a sudden, you hit it. And I swear, all that you see is just white feathers. And, and, and please, Peter, don't come after me if you hear the sermon on here. But literally, the idea of, like, and what was the name? Brunswick. Hannah Grace Mills calls the chicken Brunswick. I'm like, why are you naming a chicken that I just hit? The chicken no longer needs a name, and I'm very embarrassed that I hit a chicken. So, so now, to this day, she remembers Brunswick. And I'm like, that whole trip. And then we've got zombies. So all these moments, you remember any moments in your life? that there were opportunities created for. Remember concerts, we did Embers and Ashes. We made it this huge thing, Embers and Ashes is coming. These professional guys come up here, they set up their stuff and we had like eight people. So we all took pictures with the band and we're hitting balls back and forth and having a good time with our eight people. Uh, this alternate was, uh, was uh, Kelvin and Charles and Micah getting a concert. And I remember this one specific time that we were at the annex and the adults were invited. So I remember Mark Davis and Bill Tornator and myself and a couple other guys doing a mosh pit in the middle of this alternate concert. It was loads of fun. Uh, New Year's, times of New Year's, where uh, the youth group goes ice skating and goes to all these fun trips. Flat Rock, anybody got anybody besides just the teenagers have memories of Flat Rock? Flat Rock is great, Cindy. There's one thing that I remember about Flat Rock every year, the food. Like the food that Cindy Hildebrand and now Sydney and Savannah, oh my gosh, the food. 
the food at Flat Rock is fantastic. Then there's random events. For those of you who are listening, there's, look at the colors, Chris. We were playing a game, and that was something Laura screamed, and now Seeger says it. I think it's been four years. Um, <laughs> one time, Laura gets in the uh, car with Emmy when Emmy starts driving, and Laura goes, Emmy, it's cool. Your feet can touch the pedals. That was fun. She still remembered that one. Remember motorcycle rides with some of the girls. Remember Trilo? Uh, remember Rainbow Laura? Remember Shamrock Shakes? Why do I go through all those moments? Because what, what would have happened if I didn't swing the bat? What would have happened if I had skipped going to that PK retreat where I felt God's arms around? What would have happened if I skipped the year where Southeastern University was doing those dramas? What would have happened? What would have happened if I skipped that one 6:30 a.m. prayer service? Just that one. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that I had reasons why it would have been easy? Would it have been easy to justify? I bet you I had had a test that week before. I bet I was tired. I bet I could have justified in my mind every reason that that morning wasn't important. What would have happened? Thank God. I have no clue. But I thank God that I gave the opportunity for a moment to occur. What would have happened if I wouldn't have gone to that meeting with Mark Davis? I wouldn't be here. And none of your kids would know me and Laura. What would have happened if Mark Davis wouldn't have started CLF? Because everybody told him he shouldn't. Mark and Lorna Davis set up this church against all odds. Because what they said is they should cater more to church people than to the hurting and recovery community because those people don't have any money to fund your church. What would have happened if Mark and Lorna would have agreed? See how important moments are? This is why the Holy Spirit's been pounding this into me. He said, Chris, people can't just live their lives without providing opportunities for moments to occur. Think of, and, and you're sitting here going, Chris, there's not much scripture. Because think of, here's your scripture reference. Pick up your Bible and hold it up. I don't care if it's your phone. Go ahead and hold it. I'm like, hold it up. Hold it up. Hold up your phone. There's your text. Every Bible story that exists happened in a moment. Every one of them. What happened if Jesus would have, what, what happened if something different would have happened at the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus hadn't have gone and take that opportunity? What would have happened if Peter had skipped going to the upper room? What if he skipped that opportunity? There would have been moments that would not have occurred. Now, some people might say, well, God might have used somebody else. Fine, let's, let's use that reasoning. Peter would have missed it. Peter would have missed it. God would have used somebody else if he wanted his plans to go through. Is this, is this making sense? Here's what I'm begging you. And honestly, I'm speaking to the core of CLF this morning because I don't... Oh, I'll get into that in a second. I don't want you to miss the most important moments in your future. But you're going to have to decide that it's your responsibility to provide the opportunities. Next week, you're probably going to be tired and be tempted to skip church. Wednesday night, the kids are probably going to act up and you're going to be perfectly justified for not coming. 
But here's the question. Does perfectly justified, is that going to stand up in 20 years when you miss an opportunity where a moment could have occurred? This is what the Holy Spirit's been on to me, guys. Every single moment that I can allow an opportunity, I've been trying to find times to give God opportunities in my life. And I don't know who this is for. Maybe it's even for somebody listening on, on, on the CLF app. By the way, we have a CLF app. Anytime you miss one of the... Anytime you miss an opportunity, give God another opportunity by listening to the CLF app. How about that? But there's nothing like being in community. Why should I come to church every Sunday? There's a hundred reasons, but the one we're talking about this morning is it gives God an opportunity to speak to your life when you're not in your daily routine, when you're not in the house, when you're not being distracted by a hundred thousand things. I want you to give God opportunities to do moments in your life. I hope this hits home. And I'm going to kind of, I got a call from Laura last night, and actually I saw her walk in the door in a minute. I, I, I think they just got here. She said they were having incredible God moments at that retreat, talking about moments where God encountered their life in the past and looking forward to that in the future. You know what this means? Consistency. God is speaking things for a reason. Let me challenge you with this. There's a lot of people under attack right now from the enemy. I want to, I want to say this right. That's why I'm pausing for a minute. The best way for us to stop worrying about what's going on with us is to worry about somebody else and try to help them. It's the best way. Brian Cox said something the other night to me and Brian. He said, the only way, I, if you know Ron Cox's story, he spent 24 and a half years taking care of an invalid wife who couldn't take care of herself. And now, and she passed away, he's married Suzanne. And, but now all of a sudden, their, their youngest Tiffany just passed away from the same disease that killed her mom. And he looked at me and Brian, and he said, the only way that I have found to take my emotions off of myself is to turn them around and care for somebody else. And as a 74-year-old pastor with that much experience, I'm going to listen to what that man says. Here, here's why I'm telling you this. Everybody in the room, everybody, is completely justified. And it's perfectly valid. Everything we're walking through ourselves is valid. Right? It's valid. You're walking through terrible circumstances. You're hurting. You're in pain. It's perfectly valid. And God wants to experience you in it. But I think sometimes the lens we look through is that if God doesn't fix every problem I have, then that's not the right moment I want. The lens He causes us to walk through is yes, you're hurting. I know you're hurting. I know you're in pain. God knows that you're in pain. And He wants to encounter you in a real way. Please hear this. The worst thing you can do is internalize everything and shut out the opportunities for Him to encounter you. I know you're hurting. I know you're in pain. But please, the worst thing you can do is to shut off the opportunities and say, 
I don't want that. Because then how is he supposed to take the pain away? We've shut him off. He's given us permission to shut off the well. 